1492, Queen Marguerite of Navarre was born into a world in which separation of church and state was beyond blurred, to say the least. The Roman Catholic Church ruled, and yet in the midst of that season in which she was born, there were still those who were preaching the gospel. Queen Marguerite, hearing the gospel as a young lady, believes, and yet it's not until she is about 25 years old that Martin Luther will marry, or will nail to the door of the Roman Catholic Church's 95 theses or 95 charges against the church, which will in some way ignite the flame or the flame that was there make it public. And it begins to bring this, this fracture, this crack that was happening already in the Roman Catholic Church and begins to make it known. And the Protestants will begin, those who are protesters amongst you today, you find yourself in a, in a Catholic or a, in a Protestant church, those who have protested that there is indeed by faith alone that salvation is found. And, and so Queen Marguerite, her brother is Francis I. He becomes king of France. And because of that, she is also amongst the royal court. And during her time amongst the royal court, she is able to speak about Protestant issues and about the gospel. And in fact, furthermore, she is able to, at times to protect Protestants. And the Roman Catholic Church hates her because of it. Soon after, one of her friends who was studying at the university is put into prison, and he spends about three days in the prison in which are, nonetheless, to say, deplorable conditions. No light, no access to food. It is damp, dark, and hopeless. And in the midst of that, the cell door swings open, and he knows that Queen Marguerite has evidently sought the favor of her brother and allowed him to go free. This young man now goes out in the streets, but his family and friends will have absolutely nothing to do with him because he is opposing the Roman Catholic Church. He does the only thing he thinks he can do. He goes to the gates of the palace and sends a message to Queen Marguerite pleading for her mercy and her favor. And she bids for him to come and welcomes her into his presence or welcomes him into her presence amongst all of these dignitaries. And she loves on him and cares for him and introduces him to others. It infuriates the Roman Catholic Church. Soon after, she is personified in a play as a witch riding a broom. And this is the queen whose brother is on the throne. I share the story to let you know that whether you are the most powerful or the least, whether you're the rich or you're the poor, if you stand upon this gospel, persecution and hatred will come to you. Queen Marguerite reminds us of that. Jesus is going to speak to us today three times in this passage, verse 26, verse 28, verse 31. You're going to hear this refrain, fear not or have no fear of them or do not fear those. He's speaking to them about having courage specifically to share the gospel. The truth is, is that Jesus knows persecution is going to come to an extent that you and I, just like them, are going to be so afraid of what may happen to us that we may shy back from sharing the gospel. The hatred from your own family may be so intense that you feel like you can't even publicly declare that you are a follower of Christ. Or as it is in many places now, if you go forward with baptism, your family will cut you off or it indeed may cost you your very life to walk in those waters. Jesus speaks to them and says, guys, I know that it will be hard. But this truth, fear not, 
for God Himself is our courage. Fear not, for God Himself is our courage. We're continuing our study here in the book of Matthew. And if you remember the first 25 verses of Matthew 10, we walked through. And Jesus was sending the 12, the 12 disciples out. And he begins to tell them, hey, listen, you guys are going to go out and proclaim the kingdom and show love and kindness to all those that you meet. And they're going to do these mighty miracles. But he warns them that it won't be easy. In fact, in verse 16, you remember, he told them that there were going to be wolves Those waiting to devour them. He said, verse 17, you will be delivered over to courts. And further, verse 17, you may be flogged or physically beaten. In verse 21, he says that you may die for your faith and your own family hates you. In verse 22, he says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. In verse 23, he says, you may have to flee and run from cities. In verse 25, he says, they're going to malign you and say all kinds of evil about you because of me. And the question is, why will they face this? Because of what he said to them in verse 7. Go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. These are seven real and serious threats. And yet today in the face of that, Jesus speaks to them. And I want to show us maybe six reasons today why we should have no fear of them when it comes to sharing and proclaiming the gospel. First, number number one, listen to this. Fear not, for the truth will be made known. Fear not. For the truth will be made known. Listen to what he said as we picked up there from our text from from the last time we were in this here in Matthew 10, verse 25. He said, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebul, which is another word for the prince of demons, speaking of Satan. So Jesus says, if they call me Satan, the prince of demons, how much more, listen to what he says, will they malign those of his household? And then he says this statement here, verse 26. So... It can also be translated, therefore, it may be in your translation, but it says, literally says, therefore, have no fear of them. So what's he saying there? Well, he's saying, listen, guys, I want you to know that when people speak evil about you, when they malign you, he says, it is a reminder or a mark unto your life that you, in fact, are of my household, that I am yours and you are mine. So he says, it is an identifying mark as my follower for people to speak evil about you because of me. And then he says to them this, so have no fear of them. So again, that's our first fear not, so to speak. Have no fear of them. Look what he says, for, here's his reasoning first. Have no fear of them, for, he says, nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Jesus' first reason is, is he says, you may be mocked. They may make fun of you around that lunch table at school. He says, I want you to know, though, that there's coming a day in which what you share around that lunch table at school will be revealed to be the absolute and ultimate truth because God is ultimate. One day, he says, in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of God the Father, he says, I want you to know that what you shared at that gas station pump, what you shared in that break room at work, what you shared that one day there door to door, knocking on on someone's door, sharing the gospel, it was actually the truth. It may appear covered now. It may be appear hidden now. It may not appear to the world that this word is actually God's word. But he says there's coming a day when the entire world will see and know that this is truly the word of the one and only God. So when we feel timid to bring up the gospel to our family, let us all here remember and remind ourselves that what we are sharing is actually the truth. He says to them further here in verse 26, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will be not known. Verse 27, 
what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. The housetops were flat often in Palestine, and so it was an opportunity for them to go, and often they would gather, and they might share the gospel there. And if you think about the book of Acts, Peter's there on that housetop as Cornelius sends for him. And so it was a place in which they often met, and some houses were larger than others, so large groups could come. And he's saying, listen, it's an opportunity for you. Listen, what I've said to you in the dark, say it in the light. What you've heard whispered from me, proclaim it. Why? He's saying there's going to come after my death, burial, and resurrection, you guys are going to proclaim a lot of things that I spoke to you only secretly, hiddenly. You're going to tell them the truth of the parables just as at times the Gospels show us that, listen, he spoke these things publicly to groups, but to his disciples, he explained the meaning. He's saying, now, guys, after I'm gone, what I told you privately, you will now proclaim publicly. So, guys, the truth is when we're tempted to not talk about Jesus, Jesus says, don't ever lose sight that as you share this gospel, you are sharing the truth of what eternity for every man, woman, boy, and girl hinges upon, the gospel. So he says to them, guys, listen, share, fear not, right? Share the gospel, it will come at a cost. Listen to what he says secondly. Our second fear not is it's hard. Listen to Jesus' words here. Fear not, for they can only kill you. That doesn't sound encouraging, does it? Fear not. Jesus says, for they can only kill you. But that's what he says. Listen to here again. Verse 26 of Matthew 10. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill what? The soul. I don't know about you, but I grew up with some buddies and we had this mantra, what's the worst that could what? Happen. Yeah, some of you obviously had it too. I'll never forget, we were teenage boys and there had been a big massive snow. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it was a snow in which it shut down school for, for several weeks, seems like. And um, we had gone out that one of the first nights that it snowed and we were out just throwing snowballs everywhere. And uh, for whatever reason, there were several young ladies that we knew that were scattered throughout the neighborhood, and we thought it would be best to go and throw snowballs at their house in hopes they would come out, right? Um, as a dad of a father, or a father of a daughter now, don't come to my house throwing snowballs, boys. Um, but nonetheless, we're, we're peppering this house with snowballs. We've been making our way around the neighborhood. Again, that statement, what's the worst that could happen? And the dad comes out, and he's like, boys, this is what y'all know. I was a kid once. We were throwing snowballs. Just be careful. You can mess something up. And we're like, what's the worst that could happen? And my buddy's like, man, it's just fluff. And he takes and chucks it at his house and just shatters right through the window, man. I'll never forget. It was just one of those moments like, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that would happen if we broke the window. Jesus says here that the worst that can happen is they kill you. That's the worst that can happen. Now, again, this is intense, right, nonetheless. But he says, I want you to know the worst thing that the men or the government or whomever's in power or authority can do, the worst that they can do is kill you, he says, but they cannot kill the soul. He says, but I want you to know there's something worse that can happen than death. There's something worse than death. Listen to what he says. Rather, fear him, fear God who can. Listen to what God can do. He can destroy both what? Soul and body where? In hell. Jesus says to his disciples, the hatred of you will become so intense that you may have a tendency to fear the wrong people. That's it. We are all going to have the tendency to fear the wrong people. And Jesus says to them, listen guys, here's who you are ultimately to fear. You are to fear God. Why? Because he can destroy your entire being, soul and body. This speaks of the fact that 
that, that hell also is a place of real physical suffering, emotional, mental suffering, right? There's, there's so much to it, right? It, it, it's for eternity. Jesus warns of this. He says to us, if you step away from the truth and you fall in love with the praise of men, be warned, it may cost you your soul. Don't fear man, because at death your soul will be in paradise with God. It's the hope of the gospel. The Proverbs warn us, verse 29, or verse 25 of Proverbs 29 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is what? It's safe. Listen to it again. The fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is what? It's safe. So one, don't fear, Jesus says, because the truth will be made known. Secondly, don't fear because the worst they can do is kill the body. Third, he says to them, fear not for your father is sovereign. Fear not for your father is sovereign. He is in ultimate control. That's what that word indicates. This is what he says. Verse 29 of Matthew 10, as you heard them singing a while ago. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So again, Jesus is building this, his, this idea of fear not. This is the second time he's told them to fear not on the basis of sparrows. Sparrows were the least significant birds, right? I mean, you can see that. Two sparrows are sold for a penny, like a, a one-sixteenth of a day's wage. A denarius was their day's wage. And so this is indicating this is like, the smallest of the small, right? I mean, these, these birds mean nothing. They're insignificant. They're, they're seemingly maybe pointless to everyone. And Jesus, listen to what he says. This is absolute. This is a major teaching that you need to understand and grasp. This will absolutely, these verses right here can transform how you live your life. I, I'm serious. That is, they're that important. Listen to what he says again. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? These insignificant, in, unimportant birds, right? That's going to connect because some of you feel that. You feel insignificant and unimportant. He says they're sold for a penny. Listen to this statement. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He says that no bird dies apart from God's sovereign will and plan. A bird. There's no bird that has died without God showing up and reading the obituary. There's no bird, Jesus says, even the smallest of birds that you and I think are insignificant and don't matter. He says not one of them will die apart from God's will for them to die. Listen to what he says then, verse 31. Fear not, therefore, because of this, you are of what? More value than many sparrows. It's an argument from the least to the greater. He says, listen, if God cares for the least... Will he not care for you? Listen, guys, this indicates to us this very teaching that your life will not end until God decrees that it will end. This is great encouragement to these men because of these men, 11 of the 12 will die. Well, Judas hangs himself, right? I mean, so he necessarily, the rest of them and their lives are taken because of the gospel. John is the only one of the twelve who will live out old age according to what we have from historians' records. This is encouragement to those who will take the missions and the gospel into hostile and dangerous territories. We saw a few weeks ago that 1040 window. The more you move to the Middle East, the more hostile it is to this gospel. The more threat it is to your very life and existence. 
And these men are taking the gospel into a world and a culture that is heightened Jewish and teaching, and they are going to reject Jesus as the Messiah. They are taking the gospel into a culture in which Rome rules, and any uprising like this, Jesus Messiah, will be crushed and oppressed. These men, it will cost them their lives. And he says to them, guys, if no bird dies apart from the will of God, you're so much more valuable than birds. I want you to know that you will not die until God is finished with you. I encourage our adults and the mature of us amongst the audience because it's very intense. There's a book, Tortured for Christ. Um, if you're not maybe into reading just yet, I would encourage you. There's a movie, Tortured for Christ. The book is, I would encourage there, but Tortured for Christ. It is an intense book looking at the sufferings of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Henry Martin, who was the Anglican missionary to India and Persia, says these words, I am immortal. I am immortal until God's work for me to do is done. The Lord reigns. Hear that again. This missionary, I am immortal until God's work for me to do is done. The Lord reigns. The Lord's work for Henry Martin was finished at the age of 31. So don't hear this today and think that means that you and I are all going to live to be old and gray. It's not at all what Jesus is saying. Right? Most of the disciples are dying, not living old and gray. But Henry Martin, nonetheless, is reminding us, listen, guys, that God is ultimately in control. We don't have to live in fear. This does not, though, give us a license to be reckless and foolish. This afternoon, when this service is over, Lord willing, my family and I will get in the car. And I, I can tell you that almost without exception that myself, Emily, and our kids will have our seatbelts on. Do we completely believe that God is sovereign, that our lives will not end until He's finished? Absolutely. But that gives us no freedom to live foolishly and recklessly. So you must balance that wisdom. But I want to encourage us as a church, as our staff, our deacons, our leadership, strive to move forward in this challenging season. We are trusting the God who is sovereign over the sparrows will also lead and guide us. He is faithful and good. So fear not, church, for our God is our courage. Amen? He is our courage and our strength. So fear not, Jesus says, because your Father is sovereign. Fourthly, He says to them, fear not, for He knows you and He is near. Fear not, for your God knows you and He is near. Listen to what He says again, back there in verse 30. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. I realize for some of us that's easier than others, right? I get it. I get it. Not lost on me reading that passage. But listen, the truth is this. Obviously, we know that God's all-knowing, right? So it doesn't matter if it's the most follically of us blessed, right? Bountifully up here. It doesn't matter if you have the, the biggest flock or you have absolutely, you're looking a little bit more like me, right? The truth is God knows everything. But I think Jesus is saying to us something else. Also, he's telling us that, listen, your God is so near and close to your life that he can see and count your hairs. Your God is near, right? I mean, because why? Because in the moment, just like Brother Todd talked about, right? In the moment of suffering and temptation and challenge and weakness and when things don't go our way, we can often wonder, where, God, are you? The temptation will be as persecution comes, as challenge comes to the followers of Christ and the church, the temptation may be as, God, where are you? And Jesus says, I want you to know that He's so near that He can divide one of your hairs from the other. Your God is near and He is with you. 
Corrie Ten Boom, I don't know if you know about her, but she was the Dutch Christian. Her and her family in the midst of the German oppression, the Nazis, as they were looking to eradicate it and wipe out the Jewish people. Her and her family were hiding many Jews. It's, it's an absolutely phenomenal story. But they were ratted out, and, and, and Corrie Ten Boom is, is dealing with this anxiety as a child. And she asked her father this question. She says, Daddy, I don't think I'll be able to stand if they take us away to the concentration camps and try to get us to to deny our faith. And her dad says back to her, Corey, when I send you on the train to your grandmother's house, when do I give you the ticket? Do I give you the ticket for the train three weeks before or as you get on the train? She says, you give me the ticket as I get on the train, Daddy. She She says back to her this, Grace will show up when you get on the train. I want you to imagine just for a moment maybe that you're holding a ticket in your hand and the ticket is someone that you love and care about. Maybe it's your one. It's a family member, a friend, someone that you're close to that's separated from Christ and you hold that ticket and at times you're terrified. You know you need to share with them. You know you want to talk with them, but there's just there's fear, there's anxiety, there's just all these different things that come up. I want you to imagine that the moment... As the Spirit prompts you and you're tempted, you're weak, you think, I'll do it another time. I want you to imagine that God in His grace writes grace on that ticket to punch it, to say, listen, when the time comes for you to get on the train, GBC, there will be grace. There will be grace in that moment. So He says, fear not, your Father is near and He will supply the grace that you need. He will sustain you when it comes time to step on that train for whatever that means and looks like. Fifth, he says to them, fear not, for the Son will acknowledge you. Fear not, for the Son will acknowledge you. Look what he says here, verse 32 of Matthew 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So the verse has an encouragement and also a warning. So the encouragement first. That's where Jesus begins. That's what he says, verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men. So there's a call to acknowledge him before others. Before friends, classmates, co-workers, family, the nations. Look what he says here secondly. Here's the response. I also will acknowledge before who? Before who? Before my Father in heaven. Right? I mean, there's moments when it won't be easy to speak up, right? When you share the gospel with that coworker and it seems to fall flat. Or the moments in which you're there and maybe other girls at school are gossiping about this girl and and you step out or say we can't do that or walk away. Or or maybe you're there and and your buddies or others are looking at something behind a screen that you realize is inappropriate and, and you maybe realize in that moment the Spirit says you've got to walk away. The temptation is they may kick you out of the cool kids club. They may mock you or make fun of you, but Jesus says, I want you to know. I want you to hear this. I want you to anchor here. If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and the heavenly community. That's an encouragement, is it not? To be acknowledged before the King of glory in His presence and all the holy angels. That's a beautiful moment. Why? Because, listen, this is even encouraging because the truth is, He tells us in verse 35 and 36, that your own family likely will turn upon you. He says, I want you to know that there is a family and a community that will never turn on you. And it is my Father and I and the angels and the heavenly community. Hallelujah. 
So there's encouragement today to be faithful, but there's also a warning given in verse 33. Look what he says to them. But whoever denies me before men. So there's a difference right here again between denial and acknowledgement, right? Listen to what he says. Here's the result of that. I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. It's an important step of confessing Christ publicly. We hear verses like Romans 10, right? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved. For it's with one's mouth that you confess and are saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified, right? Romans 10. We also know that Paul says in Romans earlier, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every single one of you who will believe. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile, Paul says. Listen, he says, I want you to know, guys, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Why is he not ashamed of this gospel, right? Why is there no, why not four? Here's this reason. He says, yeah, I want you to know the gospel is in fact the very power of God and it is for salvation. It is for rescue from sin. That is the cross. It is for deliverance from your shame and bondage and sin. It is deliverance from the curse and damnation and wrath of God that is to come. He says, I want you to know I'm not ashamed of that because it's the only thing that will save me. And it's to everyone who what? Believes. Have you believed? Have you made it publicly? That you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus warns that if you are not willing to acknowledge Him before others, if you deny Him here on this earth, He will deny you before the Father. And he's saying to them, I want you to know that your relation, your eternity depends upon your relationship with me. Did you hear that? This is the Messiah, the Son of God in the flesh, who says your eternity depends upon whether or not you actually know me. In light of this and our call and our desire to be acknowledged before the Father, it means, listen, practical things like Sunday mornings are no longer my time. I just can't spend Sunday mornings however I want to anymore. It means that when we show up at Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever that looks like with this year, it means that sharing the gospel with my family is an ongoing acknowledgement of Him. It may mean that at the next funeral that you attend, that the gospel and the spirit will urge you that you need to have a conversation with someone present about what is going to happen when they die. Listen, beloved, don't worry. We all struggle with sharing our faith. Be encouraged that God is with you and the spirit will give you the strength and power you need. So fear not, Jesus says, first, because... The truth will be made known. Secondly, he said, fear not because the worst they can do is kill you. Thirdly, he says, fear not because your God is sovereign. Fourthly, fear not because God is near. Fifthly, he said, fear not knowing that one day God will acknowledge you. Christ will acknowledge you. Sixth and last, fear not for the Son will reward you. Fear not for the Son will reward you. What he says here. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I skipped past a section there unintentionally, but and Jesus has just been speaking about this call to 
to take up their cross and follow Him. He's calling them this call to come and die and to lay down their lives. And He says, in fact, whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And He's telling us, listen, you, you can live for your own way of life now. You can live for your best life now, but in fact, that will mean losing it for eternity. But if you come to Me, if you deny yourself and come to Me, it will look like you are losing your life. You look like you're not spending your life like all your friends or their families or those around you. Surely you should be living for other things. Surely you should schedule your week otherwise than Sunday morning doing this. Surely there's so many things that you should do otherwise. And yet Jesus wants us to know that when we lose our lives for Him, in fact, we will gain them for eternity. And so He's telling us now there's a reward coming. Look what He says here. It's a little bit of a confusing passage, but let's just try to break it down just slowly. Verse 41 here of Matthew 10. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Okay, so Jesus is going to begin to talk to us about seemingly some different groups of people, yet they are connected. Right? He talks to us here about a prophet. He talks to us about a righteous person. He speaks to us about little ones who he also defines as a disciple. Right? The temptation might be to come and see this group and think that there's three different groups of people. Yet, uh, I think what Jesus is trying to say or trying to remind us is, is that, listen, there is a connection between these groups. In fact, he's saying that the prophet, the righteous person, all of us, in fact, are little ones. Little ones indicates the least in the kingdom. And Jesus, in fact, at times calls his own disciples or the twelve apostles these little ones. And so he's saying to us, listen, the point is those who, notice what he says, the word he uses who those who receive a prophet, right, or receives a righteous person, right, or those who um, give one of these little ones, right, so there's a reception of the gospel, right? He's saying to them, listen, there's going to be some rewards that are going to come. So let's, let's look at these two rewards, try to again understand this passage, a little bit challenging, but let's try to understand it. First in verse 42, he says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple... Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So again, we have this context of rewards happening, right? So Jesus is there. He's talking about that. Um, and so again, we, we've heard reward, 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 right? So Jesus is speaking of rewards. The cup of cold water was like the least common courtesy you could do in that day and time, right? So he's saying this is the least act, the smallest act. And he says, I want you to know that even the smallest act of kindness and love towards someone else will be rewarded. It's not missed by God. This is a major moment of encouragement, right? Because let's be honest, so often in our faith, the actions in which we do, this way in which we serve, are just small acts. They're often not seen or recognized by others. Consider, I mean, so many of you, you've taught children or youth or, or adults for years. You wonder, does anybody see you laboring, studying your Sunday school lesson or preparing to teach before you walk in there? For others of you, you've driven buses or you've made meals or you've worked behind the scene to order supplies or get things ready. You've been a part of planning funeral meals or bringing pinto beans to a family night. You, some of you are card folks and you send cards to people just letting them know that you love them and care about them. Others of you, you just clean up when things are over. You're putting chairs away or, or just being a part of helping the building or on a Saturday night at the end of cow days, you're just back there taking out trash and doing it. These seemingly small tasks can often seem insignificant and unimportant. And Jesus writes to encourage all of us. God has not missed a single one. 
And there's coming a day when he will reward you. That's a word of encouragement. It's a word to not grow weary, to not give hope, to keep pressing forward. The second thing that I think this passage shows us is that the good news that we share the gospel with others is also a blessing to them. Isn't that beautiful? It's a blessing to them. Look what he says again, verse 41. So when a person receives a prophet because he's a because he's a prophet, that very person, look what he says here, that person is going to receive a prophet's reward. The person who receives the righteous is now going to receive a righteous person's reward. They are going to receive a blessing. Why? Because as they receive our message, they are ultimately receiving Christ. They're receiving Christ and the inheritance of the nations. They are receiving the new heaven, the new earth. They are receiving a resurrected body. They are receiving a place of no more death or mourning or crying or pain or tears. They are receiving the blessed and only gospel. But beloved, for that to happen, you and I got to open our mouth and share. The question is, well, how do we share? I think, fear not. GBC, to share the gospel with your family. For one day the truth will be made known. Fear not, GBC, to share the gospel with your friends and co-workers. For God is with you. Fear not, GBC, to take the gospel to this community. For one day, Jesus Christ Himself will acknowledge you in the presence of the heavenly community. Fear not, beloved, to take this gospel to the nations because the worst they can do is kill you and Christ Himself will reward you for all eternity. GBC, we must go and share the gospel because God is with us and He is our courage. Do you know Him? It would be a shame to hear this blessed and only gospel and yet still deny Him. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will indeed deny you before my Father. But there is a way to be acknowledged before the Father, and that is repentance and faith in the Son of God. Today, you can be accepted before a perfect and holy God, not on your own merit, but on the merit of Christ. His perfect life is credited unto you. Your corrupt and sinful, rebellious life, just like mine, is credited to Him, and He pays the penalty for it on the cross that you could go free. That you could receive the Spirit of God today. That you, in the presence of God, think about this. In the presence of God and the holy angels, He acknowledges you as His brother or sister in Christ. He says, that is one for whom I died. Their guilt and shame is no more. And for all eternity, beloved, you are accepted as a child of the Most High God. Have you been adopted into that family? I don't know if your own family wants you. Some of you have experienced terrible heartache. I don't know about how your own friends have received you, your co-workers. Some of you have experienced heartache. I want you to know there is a God who loves you and wants you as a part of His family. Do you hear that today? There is a Father who will claim you as His own. Do you hear that today? He loves you and He is proud that you would be His child. It is the good news of the only Gospel. Would you respond to it today? I pray you will. Father, in the strong name of Christ the King, we pray that you will empower us not to be afraid. Strengthen us, God. Not only to minister here and now in the midst of this pandemic, but Lord, to take the gospel to the nations. 
Lord, there may be those in this room who one day may face that sword to their own lives. Father, I pray now in this moment that they will rest and trust in You and that as that moment comes, that grace will show up as they step on that train. Father, strengthen us as a church to have unity as we move forward to reach this community with the Gospel. Help us be wise and prudent, but yet, Lord, let us move forward in faith that our Father is with us and He is our courage. God, help us. We are all afraid. We are all weak. We all stumble. Lord, today, this prayer I offer is a plea for help and strength from You. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us zeal. Supply everything that we lack, Lord. I pray this for the glory of Christ. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.